Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peyton Wild. Peyton is a recent graduate from the software development program at SATE. He has a strong passion for software development, web design, and all things tech. In addition to his technical skills, he has also ventured into content creation and is currently learning Photoshop and DaVinci Resolve to produce captivating images and videos for his social platforms. When he's not engrossed in coding, Peyton enjoys spending time rock climbing, biking, and cooking. Let's join Peyton for a friendly discussion with an information sponge, Gurmal Singh. Take it away, Peyton. Welcome to the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Idea podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. I'm going to be your host today, me, Peyton, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Gurmal. Gurmal, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I honestly had like a fantastic morning. I had some sourdough bread for breakfast. And so, yeah, started the day off on the right foot and it's been great. Nice. Cool. Sweet. Well, I guess just to kind of start, can you just kind of walk us through your early life and like a little bit of what it was like growing up for you? Sure. So I actually came to Canada in like 2002, right? And I've been here basically for around 20 years. I did all my schooling here. I wasn't born here though. I was born in India. I came when I was four. And I think we came around Halloween time and uh, (laughs) we hadn't seen a Halloween before. So my parents were like, why are people like dressed up? Like, is this a Canadian (laughs) thing? Like this happened every day? Like, what's happening here you know so that yeah. october was kind of intense like as kids i think me and my brother were really excited because we're like this seems really cool like i wonder how we can get right. involved you know um but my parents are kind of freaked out they're like this is not what we were expecting when we came to canada <laughs> that was our wow. first kind of uh impression of canada coming in like that october but yeah, yeah. no then we got a i got to go to school here i did elementary i went to public schools i went to Elementary, junior high, high school, and then university here as well. And then uh, okay. I also went to state too. So I've kind of seen a lot of the different educational institutions here. I only really mm-hmm. applied to university in Calgary. I didn't really apply anywhere else. So I guess mm-hmm. I could have explored when I was younger. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Like I had a great time growing up here. I think I had an awesome childhood. A lot of fun, a lot of adventures, a lot of field trips at school. That's one thing I'll miss. Different field trips <laughs> to like COP or to the zoo or like to like yeah. Glenbow Museum. Like got to go to downtown at a really young age and just experience like the art and the culture and just the vibes. So I think it was really nice. Didn't have the central library back then. That's kind of something I think we've enjoyed recently, but yeah, it was yeah. still developing. Right. And 20 years later, the city is much more developed. I recently found out about the plus 15s, especially before the winter time. So I did not know uh-huh. how the plus 15s worked until recently. So yeah, no, like yeah. I think it's a great place to live and I honestly think I should travel more. Like I've been to Banff a couple of times, but I need to go travel Eastern Canada and just see what else Canada has to offer. But uh, basically kind of a native Calgarian at this point. I've been here for like a long time. So, Wow. Yeah, that's super cool. I, I love hearing people's stories of like kind of starting their journey in Canada because I've, I've heard a lot of variations. Like some people have moved like right in the middle of winter, like the coldest day of the year. And they're like, oh, oh no, is this, this what Canada's like? And then... Yeah, it's it's funny. Like if you just only had that snapshot, you know, that would be your perception of it. And so it's great that like you, you started it in October with, you know, fall yeah. and stuff like that. And then you're like, yeah. oh, okay, this this isn't actually how it is all the time. You know, this is just, mm-hmm. it's just a little, 
little part of what people do. <laughs> yeah, and people warn you about the winters. Like, they'll tell you, they'll be like, you gotta be mentally prepared for the winter. You gotta, like, layer up. You yeah. gotta, and you also gotta adapt, you know, like, in terms of, like, physical activity, like, with the sports and, like, festivals mm-hmm. and just, like, the season of winter, you gotta have to have, yeah. like, a mindset around it. Like, how do I prepare for this winter? Do I get my winter tires? Like, do I change the way I go to transport? <laughs> do I wake up earlier? You know, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, the changing seasons make it a little bit odd to adapt to sometimes. And yeah, yeah. you gotta, gotta kind of stay on your toes a little bit because, you know, one day you might have to scrape off your car for 20 minutes. The other day you got nothing. You just, you're good to go. Exactly. You know, traffic as well. All the road conditions totally change. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, the winter definitely makes things interesting. But I feel like it's also got such like a beauty to it with all mm-hmm. the like snow and frost and like other activities you can do. Like, you totally. know, you were talking about physical stuff. You know, like it's yeah. like you can, you can take great pictures. Like if you love photography, like if you go to Bath, if you go to Confederation Park, um, if you go to like these, they have like these glow festivals, they have zoo lights. Like mm-hmm. if you know what's happening yeah. in the city, it's something you can take advantage of, you know? Totally. And there's, there's always like tons happening. I find like the hardest thing I struggle with is just trying to figure out which event I want to go to. It's not if there is event, it's like, oh, which one do I want to go to? Cause five happening today and five tomorrow. And like, yeah, it, it can get very busy. For sure. Um, yeah, I guess as far as like winter sports, have you like tried anything like skiing yeah. or snowshoeing yes. or any of those kind of Yes, sir. Activities? So yeah, totally. I picked up ice skating last December. So I'm very excited for the hockey season. I also went oh. to a couple of games games, but as you know, in the last season, they kept losing. So I kind of <laughs> thought it was a uh, bad luck every time I went to law. Um, but hopefully things get better now. Like I saw that they had a good uh, like preseason game with like Vancouver. So we'll see how things play okay. out. I've been snowshoeing as part of like, sorry? Maybe they're on the upside now. They're, yeah, maybe they're on the upside. Crushing. Honestly, like we'll see. Like I know it's getting very hyped up right now. Like the season's just starting, and I think they have a they have like three different leagues. Like they have the ASL, they have the NHL. Like I know there's Calgary Hitmen, Calgary Wranglers, and the Flames. So you can kind of go yeah. to any league. Like it was just the Flames season that was kind of bad. I think the Wranglers and the Hitmen were like okay from what I remember. Yeah. But yeah, no, they might be on the upside now, like you said, man. Like, we'll see, you know, you can never we'll see. Tell. Yeah, fresh yeah. season, fresh start. No, totally. And like, yeah, I've done like snowshoeing. I've done skiing. I've done snowboarding. I need to go to COP more. I've only done it as part of like field trips, but uh, I'd totally be down to go to like a lodge, go to Bath, go to COP again and do it. I usually just do ice skating and play ice hockey at my local lake or go to like Olympic okay. Plaza or like the Olympic Oval at the university. And there's a couple of club events from the university that have those skate nights. So I'll probably check that out. But yeah, my main winter sport is picking up snow and ice skating mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as it goes, I definitely think the, the picking up snow sport is a, is a popular one around, yes, around Calgary. For sure. But yeah, I definitely think that's cool. Like you're talking about kind of enjoying field trips and stuff like that. And I feel like something people kind of forget living in Calgary is how easy it is to go on a field trip, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Banff and mountains and stuff like that are just an hour away. So mm-hmm. like field trips can be a day field trip. You know, you can just head mm-hmm. out, go for a little hike, go for a little mm-hmm. adventure, get some time in nature and then, you know, come back into the city. And I feel like that's part of what breeds so much life in Calgary is that like people have this way of just kind of recharging and that outlet in nature. Yeah, totally. We're yeah. so lucky to have the mountains, you know, like we should make use of them. Like I've seen a couple of bear mm-hmm. videos going around. So now the bears are coming <laughs> out too. Um, so I yeah. saw this one video where someone reversed a bear, like a Uno reverse, like the bear was chasing them and they jumped okay. up and down the bear to change direction somehow. And then they chased the bear. So Whoa. I'm kind of 
I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to do that. If I find the video, I'll send it to you. Oh, but yeah, wow. there's like different <laughs> encounters. Like sometimes you kind of just let the bear follow you. Like they also go on the tra- trails. But if you can Uno reverse the bear, that's like a light. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's there's definitely a lot to, to bear safety. And I feel like the the province does a pretty good job of like educating people on it. But, you know, until you're really put in the situation, it's hard to know how you're going to react or how you're going to feel and stuff like that. So totally, I definitely think, you know, it's, it's important to educate yourself and, you know, carry bear spray and do your due diligence to make sure that we can share the space with all the wildlife and stuff that, that exists mm-hmm. out there. And, you know, if you do that, I think it's, you, you can, you could do it safely and you can explore all the, the great mountains and yeah, nature mm-hmm. out there. It's funny we're talking about this stuff because I think the Chinook Blast Hackathon is actually coming up. And I was part of that okay. last year and we were literally talking about winter tourism and how to get people to kind of come to Calgary and explore the mountains and participate in winter sports. So yeah, it's, there's so much to offer in the winter. And like you said, like you kind of have to pick and choose, like, where do I want to go today? Who do I want to go with? You know, it's such a challenge. Like if we had an app yeah. or something that could like put our values on there and weigh it and give <laughs> us a ratio, like you have a 70% chance of going here or like you're 80% <laughs> of people go here. That would be so useful, especially in the winter time, you know? So, yeah, definitely think it'd be cool to have something like that. But I feel like the other factor that's hard to take into mm-hmm. account is just like your energy level for the day. Yes. And, you know, there's so many variables with that. You know, maybe the weather is dreary for you or maybe you didn't have the best sleep because there was a squirrel outside or something. And so, like, you know, you need a you need a energy level gauge as well on that kind of app to be like, yeah, I'm like, I'm a good like 60 percent energy today. Like I can do a couple hours of socializing or, you know. <laughs> Totally agree. And I think there's this thing called SAD, like which is seasonal affective disorder. So if we're not yeah. getting sunlight or vitamin D, like we don't have energy, you know. So many people okay. kind of just want to stay inside, work from home, not commute. You know, but I also think yep. the commute is kind of fun because yeah, the train gets stuck. You're not stuck alone. You get to see everyone's <laughs> reaction around you, you know? Like yeah. some people are just like, it's fine. Some people are freaking out, and some people are just like, I think they're just out of it. <laughs> so it's nice to kind of see, you know. Yeah, zoned out, looking out the window in the distance, yeah. just contemplating life's mysteries. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, that's that's the beauty of public transit. I definitely enjoy kind of seeing all the different people you get on the on the journey. Totally. Um, yeah, for sure. I guess can we kind of just like circle back to your, mm-hmm. your like experience with education? I guess sure. like how did you find moving through? Did you just like go to elementary school like? quite traditional education or what was kind yeah. of your journey in that? It was pretty much traditional. Six years of elementary school in the same school. I went to yeah. two schools in the Northeast. Both elementary and junior high were from the Northeast. And then my high school was on Fort Street. So it was getting closer to downtown. And then I I like the educational journey here. I think I was kind of learning two languages at once. I was learning English yeah. and I was also learning uh, Punjabi at home as well. So I kind of had like a, a hybrid kind of identity where I'm like learning stuff at school and then I'm learning something different at home. As a kid, I think I was very excited to learn. So I'm like, I don't mind it. Like, I don't mind right. having like many things to pick up at once. So I think the school system was good. I really liked uh, getting to know like people from different backgrounds and cultures and different like life circumstances. You know, like the people I grew up with mm-hmm. were always changing. They're very diverse. Like I didn't have one group of friends. Like I had people from like every background. And uh, I think the education system was, it was good. Like I enjoyed it. I think public mm-hmm. education system was more focused on uh, developing your body and like in elementary school, at least. And when you get into junior or high school, it's more about developing your mind. So I noticed a difference between like mm-hmm. uh, every six years of education. One was more like just training you to be disciplined, to sit, to kind of like just kind of control yourself when you're growing up. And then the other one's more of like 
Can you sit down and study? Can you solve complicated problems? Can you do critical analysis? So that's something I personally noticed. I don't know if you know about Kumon, but uh, I was at Kumon in elementary school. I can tell yeah. you more about that if you're interested. Yeah, sure. I guess I think what I know about is it's kind of like something to assist you with learning a little bit, kind yeah. of, or like, how Pretty would you much. describe it? Yeah, so it's like an after-school math service. So many kids, like when they're young, like they're very creative, right? So they'll put themselves into sports, they'll put themselves into art or like cooking or drawing, right? But they won't really get a place to sit down and actually just like do work, right? Like how we do as adults. So that's also a fundamental thing that needs to be trained. And that's what Kuman does. So they're like an after-school math service that's like similar to like Sylvan. Basically, what they do is they give you worksheets and they have levels for each grade. And you're basically solving questions every day. So you're getting into the habit of sitting down, working and kind of disciplining your mind, which is very important to do as a kid. I think nowadays, like so many kids will have like ADHD. If you've ever seen the iPad kid videos, you can see that they have anger issues sometimes as well, throwing stuff around. Yeah. Training your mind and developing that discipline is very key. And that's something that Kuman helps with. And then you also have a community. So many people will joke about Kumon that like they don't like it, but secretly they do because you get a chance to make friends, you get a chance to meet people and you're also learning, right? Like it, the instructors are great. The staff is very, they're very like re- relatable. Like they're usually young staff, like they're probably in like high school or like in university. So the kids have an easy time talking to them as well. But basically it's just practice for math and reading. So it's a way to practice your English skills, it's a way to practice math. And I think that's something that kids are lucky if they come to Canada when they're young, that they can practice those skills with their parents. Like they don't only have the time to practice their English. They kind of have to get into a job and then start doing work, providing for the family. So they don't really have a way to kind of pick up those like cultural skills or social skills the way kids do. Minds are older, like they're kind of forced into a position where they have to provide. So they have to focus on other things. So I think there's like a gap between when you come to Canada, like which age you come in as well. Yeah. Definitely think that like speaking with other people, they've shared kind of a similar experience in the sense that like, depending on what stage in their own development they were when they came to Canada and stuff like that, either easier or more difficult in some aspects of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's super cool. I'm glad you had like positive experience with it, I guess. Growing up, I also had some kind of like English tutoring as well. Mm -hmm. It took me a very long time to learn how to read. Mm -hmm. So I was like doing tutoring for reading English. And I really disliked it at the time. It was like the worst thing. But in hindsight, I'm very grateful for it because I ended up like discovering that I love to read and ended up reading for many years of my life. And yeah, it was a very big part of my childhood for sure. Once I learned that I loved it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel like kind of just having that consistency or environment where you're just like allowed to focus and really like learn something and explore something and be creative with it too. You know, like I feel like people don't talk about math as something creative, but I feel like the kind of mathematics that we're working with in like this day and age is pretty creative in the sense mm-hmm. of like quantum physics or like all the different stuff. There's not even really like numbers in math anymore. I don't know. It's all, it's all letters. <laughs> so totally. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like there's a larger aspect of creativity in mathematics and stuff and science, you know, like the people mm-hmm. that are making new discoveries are the ones who are like curious and questioning and wondering about things. And so, yeah. That's that's super cool. Yeah. And then, so yeah, I guess after you kind of went through that, you know, mm. elementary and junior high and stuff like that, what did you kind of after that? Did you mm. like go back into school right away or work for a bit or what was your process? Yeah. So I kind of just kept treading through school. My mom, she has a PhD, so she has her doctorate. So education was a big thing in our family. So mm-hmm. we didn't really get too much breaks outside of school. It was kind of just like finish school, kind of figure out your career and then move forward. So that's, I think that's another big thing in immigrant families is 
like the parents, when they come here, they really want children to focus on their education and learn the system and the culture and kind of just integrate themselves because then it's like a kind of a reverse effect. So if the kids know the culture and the system, then they can tell that to their parents and be like, hey, this is what happens at work or at school or when you're going to social events. So it's kind of like a way for the parents to learn as well. So that was a big thing. So yeah, no, I had a lot of fun in doing public schools because they take you on field trips and you have so much diversity and there's no like uniform or anything. So you can express yourself. You can wear whatever you want, which is really cool. I yeah. think it's a great way to kind of showcase what you like and like what you're passionate about. Right. So that was pretty good. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, like I tried a lot of things. So I think recorders and flutes were a big thing. Did that elementary school. I used to do drama up until grade eight and I was in a couple of plays. Thought that was a lot of fun. I did cooking okay. classes, fashion classes. I really enjoyed gym. I didn't feel like gym was a class. I felt like it was just like a play. So love just gym. Just recess, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just like an extended recess, right? Oh, that yeah. was one of my favorite classes. So love gym. Took gym in grade 11 too. They taught swimming, which is good. So I think learning all these life skills was very key. And also exploring and being like, what am I really fond of? So I think for me, like I tried almost everything. But the direction I was leaning toward was like more math and sciences because that was something I got really passionate about. I love creative things as well. And I think especially in tech, like you need to nurture your creativity and your curiosity because that's what leads Mm -hmm. to innovation and entrepreneurship. And that's what lets you solve complicated problems, right? So like math and sciences can be very creative if you let them be. And like you said, like math is not just like a numbers language. It's like (laughs) almost like a wordy language as well. There's so many symbols. There's so many like shapes. Like you could literally write a book like with the symbols in math. And then try to read it. Yep. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's crazy. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, like for me, like I think like I was kind of leaning towards the math sciences side. I wish I nurtured my creative side more. Like I think to be in flow state, you kind of have to have like a bridge between your left brain and your right brain. So it would be cool to kind of nurture both talents. But I think at one point in your life you kind of have to pick and choose, especially when you're going to university. And for yeah. me, like I wasn't taking any breaks, like every summer I had classes, like I took physics in summer wow. school, I think from grade 11 and grade 12. And then I took career and life management in grade 10. And I think I just played sports the rest of the summer. <laughs> so anytime I got a chance to play something, I would do that. Like I love being active and going out. And I think rock climbing was a big thing back in junior high. Like I took outdoor education for three years and we did a lot of rock climbing, a lot of bear training. And I really enjoyed that. And I also tried bouldering. But bouldering, I found, was a little harder than rock climbing. So oh, yeah. I definitely explored. Yeah. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. I guess I'm a, I'm a huge boulder. I, I go like regularly. And uh, I yeah, I, I love climbing and bouldering and just the, the vertical exploration. Totally. <laughs> Let me know, man. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we can get a group no, together. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. I think there's a huge community of like climbers and stuff in Calgary and I feel like it's the kind of sport where people like do it for a while and then take a break mm. from it for a bit and then kind of come back to it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. And I mean, we're close to the mountain, so <laughs> it's definitely easier to get outside and climb. For sure. But yeah, I guess, so you were saying like you kind of did school like straight through and didn't really take many breaks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you find yourself like getting burned out at all? Or yeah, anything? not all or the time. Like, energized uh, or? Yeah. So, Burnout was, I don't, I don't think in high school I was too burned out. I was probably more burned out in university because in high school you can manage the burnout much better. Like I would be volunteering at the hospital. I would have like spares. So I would just study in the spare in my class. And it was kind of just like, it was really easy to manage in the sense that like they don't give you too, too much work. Like in high school, you can go above and beyond if you want to, but you kind of can just tread along and just follow the curriculum. Whereas in university, there's like this pressure to kind of go above and beyond to get that A or the A plus 
or to do something that makes you stand out from everyone else, right? So take a lead in a club or like develop something, like create some product. Uh, so in high school, I don't think I had too much burnout because the summer classes were like only like one or two months, whereas the university mm-hmm. classes can go for four months in the spring and summer. Yeah. So in high school, I think I was okay. It was probably towards second, third year of university, I was getting burnt out because I started working in the summers. So doing classes mm. in the summer was fine. Like I didn't really need to generate any sort of income because it's public school, right? Don't really have to pay any fees. So I think at the time I got to come home and relax when the classes finished, kind of like even things out and balanced it out. But when I went to university and to work every summer to pay for school, that yeah. was kind of tricky. So I think that led to burnout. And also joining a lot of clubs because in high school, like you have like, at least back when I was in high school, there weren't too many clubs. Things weren't as developed as they were now. And computer science was just kind of like picking up and growing. Like it was there, like there was like a rush coming there, like you could see it, but it wasn't like um, the biggest thing at that time. I think oil and gas in Calgary was huge back then. And I don't remember the admission average for computer science at my time in 2015 when I graduated. It was probably 60%. Um, and okay. now you can see how high it is now, right? So back then it wasn't like too, too competitive. Like people were still kind of thinking of like common fields, like nursing, engineering, business, law school, medical school, right? So that was kind of what the buzz was back then. And then also oil and gas. And I think at that right. time, the petroleum engineering average was the highest in university, but uh, now mm. it's actually one of the lowest. So it's like the whole situation's flipped, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I feel like that transition has happened like very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think it's hard to pinpoint exactly why it's kind of happened that mm-hmm. fast. I feel like part of it is due to all the energy and effort that the province has been putting into, you know, promoting the tech scene and like lifting people up in technology and just showing how awesome Calgary and Alberta as a whole is as like, you know, a tech center. I guess it's going to be kind of the tech center of Canada, which is kind of the goal. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's super cool how all that energy and stuff is just making that transition from oil and gas into technology faster Mm -hmm. because yeah, I don't know. That's part of what drew me to Calgary is like being super excited about that. Uh, I guess I've only been in Calgary for, I guess, three ish years now, Mm -hmm. my third year. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been super cool to just kind of see the city come to life and yeah, the the tech scene just kind of explode. Yeah, totally. You came at a great time, you know, like this, these past three years, I think got accelerated because of COVID if we didn't have COVID, yeah. who knows? Maybe we wouldn't have this much tech happening in Calgary, right? So great time Ooh. to see all this like blooming like development, you know, with all these companies coming here, all these projects happening, right? And it's very interconnected. Like whenever I meet people from Toronto or Vancouver, they're always like, Calgary's like, everyone knows each other in Calgary. Like, you know, <laughs> all the people going to tech events, like you see so many familiar faces. It's a very like tight knit community. So that's another yeah. cool thing about Calgary as well. Like it's a very like, localized like friendly like neighborly type of vibe that you have here you know yeah definitely agree and i guess i grew up kind of like small town saskatchewan and so that was something that i really appreciate it's just like that tight-knit community where you know you kind of see the same faces and check in with people see what stuff they're passionate about or what they're interested in and just kind of yeah really support each other and build each other up to do awesome things Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I kind of wanted to dig in a little bit more to your experience at SAIT. I guess I also went to SAIT. And so I'm just kind of mm-hmm. curious what sure. your time at SAIT was like and what you enjoyed, what was difficult. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I can tell you what was difficult right off the bat. <laughs> I'll tell you <laughs> why. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. So I did my SAIT classes online. So I did a diploma in data analytics for like four months. And it was like a full nine to five program through a tech careers manpower Alberta. And the classes were online. So back at that time, I think it was 2022 that I did it in. I had a really good time learning and I liked the online environment. 
I got a challenge when I actually had to start coming to save for events and I kept getting lost. <laughs> so I would not be able to find the Stan Grand Center. I also, gra- my graduation ceremony happened at Say 2. I still have yeah. yet to find that place. So I was trying to find out where I graduated from, you know, just to be like, okay, this is where I was like seven years ago. So yeah, no, like, I get very lost in Say for some reason, even though it's not as big as UFC. Like I went to UFC for like five years. So I have all that mapped out. And even downtown, I'm getting mapped out as well. But for some reason, yeah. And safe throws me off so i think maybe they need like more signs or more maps or something you know yeah uh, but yeah that was the one challenge i think i had at state is when i had to go for like tech events like the state has they also have their own podcast as well like the best careers you never knew existed so like even finding that podcast like the room where they do it and i've gone lost a couple of times um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah that was my main challenge personally i think with the courses i didn't have too many challenges because I had been learning tech for about three years. Like I started learning coding in 2020, like formally. I had an informal experience because I did computer classes in like high school. Like I did computer applications. I did computer science. I knew a bit about front end development as well. And I took R in university when I was doing my uh, biology degree at the UFC. So I was kind of getting into coding. And then I took Python before I got into any classes. And then by the time I got into the state program, I had done enough coding to not really be like shocked by anything. So everything Hmm. that was kind of coming in, I was kind of used to, it was familiar. But I was one of the people in the classes that were helping other people out if they had any challenges. So I think it was pretty smooth. Like the courses were smooth for me. It was a good time. I think I studied there from like March to like August or September. I think it was like a four to five month kind of program. And it was like a full-time program. Yeah. But it was all virtual. And but I still had that association with Sate. I still wanted to go to campus. I wanted to meet people. Mm-hmm. I like the energy. I think Sate is doing a lot of great things. Like I've went to Tech Thursdays and seen some of the Sate leaders there talking about digital transformation. So I think mm-hmm. Sate has a really good community as well, like tech community. And I'm going to start one of their clubs. Like I know they have some tech alliances. So I'll check those out. Maybe I'll see you there if you're ever around, you know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I guess kind of had like a similar experience with say, I guess I did the software development diploma through them. So it was a two-year diploma. Um, and I did kind of like the first half of it totally virtual. Mm-hmm. And then we started to transition back in person. And mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I had a similar thing where like the campus was super confusing. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if it's just that the buildings look similar or I, I don't know. It's just, it just, yeah, it was like not intuitive for sure to kind of navigate around or like the room numbers were weird. You're like, trying to figure out where you are. You end up just like asking three people like, Hey, uh, you know where this place is? And yeah. Definitely and you know, you know, you know what the funny thing is? I, I was asking people and they wouldn't know either. <laughs> so I'd yeah. be like, I got, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, and you're standing next to it. Like yeah. I'd be like next to the library and I'm like, Hey, yeah. do you guys know where the library is? Like, no. <laughs> and I like walk up. I'm like, Oh, it's like literally that, that yeah. door to the right. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah. And I, I feel like that's kind of part of the struggle of state a little bit is, kind of showing students what resources are available. Like I'd, you know, be talking to some of my friends about like resumes or developing their LinkedIn profile and stuff like that. And they'd be like, oh man, I'm like really struggling with this. And I'm like, did you know like SAIT has a career help center? Mm-hmm. Like they literally have staff on site that are like happy to help you rewrite your resume or like mm-hmm. create a better LinkedIn profile or mm-hmm. learn how to do LinkedIn posts and stuff like that. And like there's so many resources available to students and I feel like it's just hard for people to find it. 
So, mm-hmm. well, I totally yeah. agree. I think it's even hard for me to find it. Like, I know it's there, but I also don't know <laughs> where this is or where to go. So, one day I need you to show me, man. <laughs> like, yeah, how, no, I'm a tour of state, you know, like we should grab a bunch of people <laughs> tour around and see all these places, you know, make your own map with the map. Who knows? You yeah, know? you know, just, oh. just go, go do a state field trip, you know, yeah, exactly. explore state field trip and then exactly yeah, get into all the cool things. But totally, yeah, sweet. I definitely agree that the things like state is working on and stuff and they're kind of like management and stuff like that, or, or like some of the older teachers and stuff are like super tapped into the community. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate like, yeah, going out to different tech events or whatever at platform Calgary and stuff like that. And seeing like staff there, like really kind of mm-hmm. involved in the community. I think it's really great that it's like building that whole ecosystem together. Cause I think you need education to support industry and you need yes. the industry to kind of, guide the education and be like, Hey, this is like what we're looking for and what we're interested in. I feel like those two really need to work hand in hand to build an awesome tech ecosystem. I totally agree because if you're lacking either one or the other, like you'll fall behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to know what's happening in industry, how it's changing and you need to have your education kind of supplement that and reinforce that as well. Because if there's a disconnect, mm-hmm. what will happen is you went to school for two, three years, you have loans, you have debt, and then now you can't find mm-hmm. a job because it's not overlapping with what's happening in industry because tech changes so fast, right? So yeah. it's not keeping up with the pace of change. So if the leaders aren't looking into industry, if they're not seeing how tech is growing, there's a gap there. And then students are kind of left to fill that gap, which is very hard if you're like you're an international student or if you move from a different province or if you haven't lived in Calgary too long. Like you don't have those connections to kind of guide you, mentor you, coach you. And it's tricky at first, you know, like when you're building out your network, when you're building out that ecosystem, it's hard to kind of know who's who, you know, until you actually start going, you start networking, you go to events and then slowly you kind of piece it together. Right. So, yeah, 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 definitely agree. I feel like whenever somebody asks me kind of like, for advice or like what my tips are for kind of getting involved in tech. It's just like, I was just telling the same thing. Just get out and meet people, mm-hmm. you know, just show up to events with an open mind and just see what's happening. That's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's where stuff happens is just sitting around a coffee table with somebody or, you know, listening to a presentation and then like talking to somebody about how you felt about it or, you know, what thoughts you have on it. So totally. I feel like you should have like these accountability buddies when you're in tech, you know, like you bring <laughs> your two events, you tell them what happens, you debrief and you kind of just talk about it, just like how we are now. Like if we can get that conversation going about tech in the city, right? Even within like Mm -hmm. locally, like students, everyone's doing it on a high level. Like leaders are always doing it. CEOs are doing it. The C-suite execs are always kind of looking towards the future and they're being visionaries, but we can somehow do that at like a student level even, you know, wouldn't that be cool? Oh yeah. Super cool. And I feel like that's, something that you kind of just have to put yourself out there and get involved with. Uh, I guess you're talking a little bit about kind of like hackathons and stuff like that. Uh, What kind of experience have you had with with hackathons? And Yeah, I have a lot of experience with hackathons, actually. Okay. Um, So first hackathon that I ever did was uh, Calgary Hacks 2020. And I think some hackathons have a requirement that you either have to be a student or a recent grad. And sometimes recent grad means one year and it could mean up to three years. So Calgary Hacks was the first hackathon I did. It was through a website called uh, DevPost. And if you ever go on DevPost, the most common platform that you'll see for hacking is Major League Hacking. And it's called MLH. So MLH will always have like several hackathons going seasonally all year round. So if you're trying to do hackathons, it's really good to start with MLH. It's funny that we're talking about hackathons because there is one happening today at MRU. They have a hackathon there too. So I can send you the link after it's, I think it's going like from like four to like eight. And I was actually called to mentor for that hackathon, but I'm not sure if I'll be able to go today. 
Uh, but yeah, so that's happening today. Calgary Hacks is something I would join. There's also club hackathons. So I'm sure say MRU and UFC have their own club hackathons. I've been mm-hmm. to the UFC ones because I'm alumni from there. The state ones I'm trying to get more involved with because I've had that alumni status recently. So I'm trying to join mm-hmm. the clubs and see what they're about. But I know for UFC, they have a club called uh, Code the Change YYC. They have a uh, Tech Start U Calgary. They have the Data Science and Machine Learning Club. So those three clubs yep. I know do hackathons. And SAIT also has four or five clubs. And I know one of the club leaders. So I'm also trying to learn more about that community. But basically, like hackathons, like it's just problem solving. Like you're not necessarily hacking. It's not cybersecurity. You're not <laughs> trying to break into something, you know, untap something. Yeah. You're kind of just solving a problem. Like it could be like climate crisis oriented. It could be something financial related, like banking. It could be something yeah. in healthcare. It could be something in like community. Like uh, the hackathon that I did last year on this time, it was called the uh, YYC Chinook Blast. So, and it was a winter tourism project. That theme was that how can we get people mm-hmm. involved in winter tourism? Like people love coming to Calgary for Stampede or in the summer, but how do we get them involved in the winter time? Right. So right. hackathons have their own theme and they're very open. You can be at any skill level. Um, companies have their own hackathons as well. Like I know Longview Systems, I used to work for them before. They had like a security hackathon with Cisco in partnership. So different companies will put hackathons out in downtown. Each of the institutions for education will put out their own hackathons. Clubs will put them out and you can also find them online. So if you're ever looking for hackathons, like there's no shortage. It's just a matter of like, where do you want to be? Like, do you want to be in person? Do you want to be online? Do you want to run it hybridly? Yeah. So just like you said, like, it's also like picking what events to choose at one point. Once you get involved in hackathons, you just got to pick which hackathon to be part of. Totally. Yeah. I guess I have like very limited experience with hackathons, but I did a few through SATE. Mm-hmm. And they were super cool. I guess we also kind of worked with Hack the Box or something it was called. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and that, yeah, it was super cool. And I feel like something that's kind of misleading about it is that like, like you were saying, it's not really hacking. Yes. Like, you know, it's not that you need to be in cybersecurity or be like passionate about that. It's more like problem solving. So yes, I, I definitely feel like we can maybe like rename it a little bit, maybe like Codathon or something, yes. or like, you know, maybe a name that's a little more appropriate than just hacking. Cause I feel like it's more applicable to more people because yes. I've had friends that are like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in cybersecurity or hacking. So why would I go? And I'm like, you don't need to be in that, you know, depending on what event it is or something like that. It could be like you're saying, like, you know, problem solving. How do we bring tourism in? Or, you know, there's mm-hmm. some stuff about like public transit and like downtown mm-hmm. infrastructure and how can we make it better for pedestrians and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Um, and so I feel like it's a really cool way to like get a focus group trying to solve a problem together. Mm-hmm. And that's like what's so cool about hackathons, quote unquote. Exactly. Um, you know, it took me a couple of years to realize it, but I think the hacking comes from like life hacks, but it's not apparent. So it's almost <laughs> like you're life hacking, like you're solving problems yeah. in your daily life, like whether it's like transit or like weather or just like optimizing something. But that's not apparent yeah. until you've done like a couple of them. Then you're like, oh, it's like kind of like a life hack, not like a, a cybersecurity <laughs> hack, you know? So that's another way to look that, at it. Yeah, that, that totally makes a lot of sense. I guess I just never thought of it from like, yeah, the, the life hack perspective or the, you know, yeah. problem hacking or something. But yeah, yeah, no, that totally makes sense that, you know, it's, it's English. There's, there's a lot of English words that can be applied in a lot of different scenarios. Yeah, totally. <laughs> different meanings, I guess. The, kind for of, sure. the beauty of the language, but also what makes it difficult. Yeah, um, especially for newcomers. Yeah. Like, I think the other sure. thing is like getting uh, direct versus indirect feedback is another thing. I think as Canadians, we're very polite as well. Like we hold doors for people. We say sorry a lot. And sometimes when we need to give criticism, like uh, it's also kind of polite, like you could take it like 
I'm not like being given feedback, you can take it like, oh, is this is just something I need to work on. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Right. So I guess mm. receiving constructive criticism can be very tricky as well when you're coming from a different culture. Because some cultures yeah. are very direct and to the point and they're kind of just like, this is what it is. Right. And sometimes in our Canadian context, like we try to be polite about it and we're like, we're not trying to offend you, but this is something you need to mm. work on. And sometimes that's not delivered effectively. So that's another thing to kind of investigate, you know, when you're coming to Canada at least. Yeah, I, I totally feel that. I definitely think something I've personally struggled with is like the way you structure feedback and also like the way you take it. Because I feel like in the school system, we don't get a lot of experience with that. Like, you know, you'll get grades or something like that, which is feedback in a sense, but it's just a number that's a representation of what you did. You know, it's mm-hmm. not really giving you like, oh, you need to put a little bit more time into your prep work. Or, you know, you need to put more time into developing your idea before you actually tried to build it and stuff like that. And I think that was something I actually really appreciated about going through SAIT was that mm-hmm. it kind of had more of that like structure um, mm-hmm. where like, you know, you would, you'd work on a project and then like a week later, you'd do like a retrospective or something. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really get into like the feedback part and sharing what worked and what didn't work and, you know, your ideas on how you can improve things. And yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely think it's like a skill people need to develop. It's not just like something that comes naturally because like you're saying, you know, we're just so polite and that's kind of the default, which is wonderful. But at the same time, you got to find the balance of like actually giving direct enough feedback that it's actionable. You know, if you just kind of noodle around like, oh, it'd be kind of good if something maybe happens sometime, possibly if if nothing's going to happen, you know, it's got to like, you got to be a little bit more clear for people. So yeah, of course, especially in hackathons too, like feedback is the biggest thing you have to keep iterating again and again and again. Like, it's like reinforcement learning and machine learning, if any of the listeners know about that. So Whenever you're doing a hackathon, you're going to scrap your idea. You're going to go to the drawing board again. You're going to keep wiping things. You're going to keep reiterating. It's not going to work. Code's not going to work. It's not going to display. Like it's a whole process. So like troubleshooting, problem solving, getting feedback, working in a team that's like cross-cultural, different backgrounds. So all these things I think are key to have in tech and especially in hackathons too. Like people do hackathons for the first time. They're very unsure of what to expect. And that's kind of how every hackathon is. And you realize that after you do several and you're like, I could be doing like a hundred hackathons, but no two hackathons are the same. You know, they each have their own theme or value. Totally. Yeah. And I think the group of people you're always with is different too. You know, you're Mm -hmm. always kind of just like thrown into a little bit of a chaotic situation where you don't really know people very well. And you kind of got to just meet them quickly and figure out how your skill sets complement each other and how you can like work together to get it done. Because it's often quite a short time frame. So mm-hmm. you have that like time crunch kind of on. You're just like, all right, what can we do with the time we have? And let's just build something. Mm-hmm, totally. And I think chaos creates a lot of invention as well. Like a lot of disorder will ironically create some order. Like in <laughs> that space, it's going to give you some sort of solution. And hackathons are uh, they're a great way to brainstorm ideas. They're a great, great way to start a conversation or engage the community or kind of get people thinking, you know? And then once you have all those ideas in place, maybe you can make a startup from it. Maybe you can create a product from it. Like, it always leads into something like there were hackathons where like I, someone put an idea and we helped develop the MVP in the prototype and they made a company out of it. Now they're in the yeah. entrepreneurship domain, right? So like you never know what it could lead to. Yeah. And I feel like it's just such like a right place for awesome ideas to come out because yeah, like, like you're saying that that chaos just kind of like gives you the space to just be creative in the technology, which I think is super important and like, yeah allowing that space to just try different things and problem solve. And I feel like a lot of the fundamentals of like product management kind of come into it where you just like try fast, fail fast and just like iterate and, you know, 
yeah, move forward. Totally. Every hacker or hackathon like participant needs some sort of product manager, project manager, someone to kind of manage and lead the team, tie in all their strengths. So it's almost an yep. informal role that's taken in the hackathon. There'll usually be someone totally. who needs to step up and take that role and kind of just guide, you know. And usually it's someone who has experience in the industry or someone who's kind of done several projects before, but pretty much anyone right. can take it. It's a great way to practice those skills. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super big advocate for hackathons. If, if any of the listeners want to try it, just jump in, just try it. It's going to be a little uncomfortable, but everybody's there to learn together and yeah, they're, they're awesome. Um, I guess I kind of wanted to just circle back to your journey in technology and stuff like that. I guess you kind of spoke about being in data a little bit and stuff yeah. like that. And I'm just kind of curious yeah. where your curiosity has led you there. Yeah, for sure. So first I actually started in front-end development. I learned uh, HTML, CSS, and then JavaScript. And then in university, I learned R, so a little bit of backend. And then I learned Python. And then I started learning more about data. So I started off with the doing an IBM data analyst certificate and a Google project management certificate. And then I got Microsoft Azure cloud certifications all through a program called Empower Canada, which is actually getting a lot of traction in Calgary now as well. So I started through that and I like being in like a classroom environment. I like learning with people, having a teacher, having mentors and having people that you can follow up with and kind of career search together. I thought if I was kind of just doing it on my own, I would lose motivation or I'd have like a lot of struggle and I'd kind of just maybe even give up. Who knows, right? So I thought having a community of people in tech would help me kind of push through and kind of go above and beyond, which it did. So I started with the Empower Canada program. Then I got work in Longview Systems. I was doing system consulting. So I was contracting for Shaw and I was helping people solve their technical problems. So I was like technical Sweet. solutions agent, basically. I did that for a couple months. Then I took a course on machine learning from the Alberta Machine Intelligence Institute. And I learned about machine learning principles. And then I started working in a startup as well. And then after that startup, I started doing the SAIT Diploma in Data Analytics, which was the most recent education I did. And then I kind of, at that point, I had done like three programs and I'm like, I'm kind of getting a flow, a feel of what data analytics is, what data science is. So I'm like, okay, this is a lot of education. I got to be kind of putting this into practice. And that's why I was doing hackathons that whole time as well. So I could use those skills and apply them. Like, it's kind of like you have all these tools on your like toolkit on your belt, but if you're not using them to yeah. build anything, if you're not making a house out of it, or if not constructing something, what was really the point of having those skills, right? So I was trying to implement totally. them. So I did the SAIT program. We had a capstone project there. I learned about uh, machine learning, natural language processing. Braintoy was a company that provided us a project that a lot of SAIT graduates go through. So that company helps with like auto ML, which is like machine learning that you kind of don't really need to write code in. It just does it for you. So oh. not, you don't have to be like a really techie person. You can be like a business person and you can do something like with AutoML or you could use GitHub Copilot. Um, so after the SAIT program, I got an internship in data science with the company called Cybera. I did that for six months in computer vision. Then I got a financial analysis internship. In that finance internship, I wasn't really doing too much coding, but, but since I knew coding, I applied it to my job. Like I would do web scraping or I would automate a workflow or I'd build a visualization because I had those skills. So once you pick up like the data skill or software skill or whatever it may be, you can find ways to implement it in industry without anyone telling you to. You, kind of, you just have to be creative. So I did that internship. So I had two internships. These are more recently. So I think this is 2022, 2023. Okay. If anyone's curious, they can go through my LinkedIn, have a look. Um, yeah, yeah. exact timeline or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I also have it on my website as well. So, and then I started learning React most recently with like new idea machine and like going to Inception U events and then kind of pick that language up. And now most recently I'm working at uh, Neo Financial because mm -hmm. I think my financial analysis internship also let me there. 
I love learning about tech there as well because it's fintech. So I go to Tech Thursdays. They have these neo nights where you can come and network. There's a lot of good public events out there. And I'm doing another boot camp. So I've done a boot camp every year for the past three years. And this one I'm doing is Lighthouse Labs and I'm doing their data analytics boot camp and doing that part time. So I'm always like with tech, you always have to keep learning. Like I even like after I'm done this boot camp, I have some Udemy courses lined up to go through. I have projects to create. So you got to just keep going with that growth. You know, like tech is a field where like you got to be a lifelong learner and you got to be want to you got to need to implement and execute. Like you got to be a person who wants to take that feedback and put into action, like you said before. Right. Like you want to apply those skills. You want to have a portfolio. You want to showcase them. You want to solve problems like if you have all those ingredients, then you'll be successful in tech. And I think many people mm-hmm. like come into tech seeing like the kind of the growth and like what has to offer and like kind of the success of it without really going through the hardships of like having your code not working or troubleshooting or being lost or being confused. And it's it's like you need to have a lot of patience because if one line of your code is wrong, if you forgot a comma, if you forgot a semicolon, it's not going to work and you have to know where to go. Where do I find like resources to help me get through this? Who do I ask? Like, so it's definitely a journey, I think, in tech when you're trying to go through it. But if you're someone who likes to be challenged, who likes growth, who likes learning, who likes problem solving, then it's definitely the place to be. Yeah, totally agree. I think if you've never been like stuck in Stack Overflow for hours, you know, have you ever actually coded? You know, that's exactly. <laughs> the way it goes. It, yeah. And I find what can be challenging in tech as well is like finding the specific solution to your problem, you know, because you can kind of create code with a, you know an amalgamation of different pieces of code from different places and stuff. And then, you know, there's a problem with it. And you got to try to find the solution to like your specific thing. And that's kind of where the like real journey of problem solving and it comes because, you know, you get a little bit of an answer from over here and a little bit of an idea that might work here. And then kind of you piece it together and eventually build something or fix your problem. But totally. Yeah. It's like a Rubik's Cube or a puzzle. Like you just got to keep collecting <laughs> pieces, keep trying out different combinations. Then eventually it works. Yep. And then when it does work, it's the most satisfying feeling in the world because oh, you know, yeah. you've been at it for the past several days. Right. So it's totally. a very fulfilling job as well. If you let it be, you know, if you stick it out and you kind of push through. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I also think a lot of really awesome things happen with like collaboration and stuff. I've mm-hmm. definitely had like times where I've been programming for hours on something like really grinding it. And then, you know, I bring in some one of my friends or something, or one of my colleagues, and we start working on it together. And it's like, oh, it's just like have a light bulb moment kind of quickly. Mm-hmm. And you, they're like, oh, did you try this thing or this angle? And they like bring their new perspective and stuff. And you like, end up finding the solution a lot quicker. That's I like agree. That's super if exciting. You show someone your code, that light bulb will go off. Because I think we yeah. get very focused in on our code and we zoom in. And then when someone yeah. new looks at it, they can actually dissect it and be like, hey, why didn't you put this in? Why didn't you put right. this loop or if else? Like they find that little yeah. piece that we're missing that we kind of don't see. And it yeah. makes it so much better, right? So it's like almost like an architect. Like you built something, someone's looking at it and they're kind of giving you feedback and they're like, oh, you're missing this door or you're missing this entrance. And they yeah. can kind of pinpoint what you're missing and give you guidance. So it's a really good field to kind of showcase something and learn from what you've showcased. Yeah, totally. Yes, I've definitely had times where I've like commented out certain ones that I didn't think I needed and then like keep working. And then like a few days later, I'm like, oh, why isn't this working? And, you know, Franken's like, oh, like you uh, forgot to include your libraries or like something simple and like an easy thing that, you know, you should have seen, but you're just so like, yeah, focused in on solving the problem that you're working on that you didn't like get the bigger picture. Totally. Definitely. And it really is like a language. Like if you miss a letter, if you miss a word, if you miss something small, mm-hmm. like just like in language, grammar, punctuation, spelling, they all matter. Same thing with code syntax matters, right? So it's like 
right? For me, it's always a spelling mistake <laughs> or it's like a comma. <laughs> it's like one tiny little thing is off. Yep. The code is like, oh, oh it's not running. You know, so yeah, I think variable names can get you, get you, get you sometimes. Yes. You're like, why isn't this value being passed? You're like, oh, this is Poro and this one's not Poro. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Go in and plug that out. Yeah. Or something with data types. Like, you're not using the right data type. Yeah. It's not the right, you know? Yes. I've definitely had some, some strings output as numbers and I'm like, what yes. is happening? I'm like, uh, somewhere, somewhere it's being converted. <laughs> Got to figure yeah. it out. And yeah, I definitely think that's part of what makes me appreciate like data safety with stuff in languages when there's like, yeah, that side of it. Cause I mean, stuff like Java is fantastic. Cause it's like, so open and just like, yeah, just, you know, make stuff and it'll work. <laughs> but then like when there's a problem, it's really hard to diagnose it. Cause you're just kind of, I don't actually really know what data type it is at which point and what's happening. Sometimes it can be a little bit hard to dial back, I guess. Totally. But yeah, I guess what, like you were saying, I guess you're kind of, you're at Neo Financial now. What, what are you kind of looking forward to in the future? What are you passionate about doing? Yeah. So I'm very passionate about finance and fintech. So I love numbers. I love data and visualization. So I'm always trying to find ways to predict things. So I'm trying to look into fintech, clean tech and health tech. Health tech is still growing in Calgary. I know a couple of companies. I've seen a lot of growth for like clean tech and energy companies being here and they have a lot of good data. And I've seen the fintech sector grow a lot too. So I'm looking at those three industries at the moment. Currently, I'm just developing my skills in like analytics. Like I know machine learning and statistics, but usually with data science, like you have to get like a master's or a PhD to kind of be competitive. So maybe I'll pursue that down the line or I'll just do enough projects to basically showcase that I'm an expert. But just do <laughs> yeah. difficult things with those. But uh, like I'm really enjoying my time at Neo. I'm learning a lot about banking and finance and interest rates. And uh, I hope to learn more about the financial sector just for my own growth as well. And then also what problems can I solve with the data skills that I have in finances? Because there's so much information in that database and fraud is a big thing in the fintech center. Like fraud is very common. Like people are always finding ways to get access to card data and personal information and Crazy. I guess data safety, like you said before, is very crucial, especially in this upcoming like era when we have generative AI and like when there's so much like deception that could happen as well. Right. So and I think seniors yeah. are at the most risk because uh, they're very trusting and they don't know what's happening with the tech, whereas young people are kind of keeping up with the trends and people who have kids are keeping up with the trends as well. So I think we do got to protect our seniors population as well. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I feel like that's something that becomes more difficult is like as we build larger data sets, you know, there's more potential for doing wonderful things with them, but it's also like more potential for things to get missed or, you know, mm. fraud to happen and stuff like that. And I feel like we need to be really vigilant and, you know, educating older people as well and like what they can do to stay safe and what kind of look to look out for and stuff like that. You know, mm. if it's as simple as, you know, the Prince of Nigeria is probably not sending you an email. Like, just having that conversation with your grandma or something like that. I definitely had some, some funny laughs like <laughs> on the extreme end. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> like, For sure. I've seen memes on the Prince of Nigeria. I've seen on Instagram. That, <laughs> yeah. He had all this money to give away, but no one took the offer, you know? So yeah. Now he's, just, now he's just sitting over there balling, you know? Just. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and also the other thing, like uh, social engineering and phishing is very common too. Like sometimes you get an email from HR being like, oh, put your banking information in here. We need your send number. We need this. And sometimes it looks real. So you also have to protect yourself oh, yeah. internally within an organization as well. Like you want to protect your customer, but you also want to protect your organization. So I think uh, right. techniques and responsibility is very crucial when you're in a tech role, protecting yourself, your company, the people around you, and not get social engineered, you know, like if the CEO of the yep. company is messaging you, 
like does seem kind of odd you know like so <laughs> yeah i mean it depends what it's for you know if it's just yeah. hey can you bring me up a coffee yeah it's probably yeah. fine but yeah depends the level of it for sure yeah I feel like it's kind of also everybody's responsibility to take kind of like cybersecurity and safety into their own hands, you know, whether it's not writing their password on a sticky note or like, you know, stuff like that. I feel like it's kind of something that everybody has to embody in an organization. And I think it really starts with policy and stuff like that and having having those conversations around what are our policies and how are we going to keep ourselves safe so we can keep our customers safe. I totally agree. And like, if you can use a password manager, a Chrome extension, like go for it. Like some people are more tech savvy than others. So I think we got to talk to those tech savvy people and learn those life hacks, you know, maybe make a hackathon for this kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, you go. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Well, I had an absolutely fantastic time talking with you. Thank you for taking the time to, you know, be on the podcast and share all your insight and data and stuff. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me and having me on. I know we had a couple of hiccups with joining, but uh, I think it went out very smoothly. And yeah, I'll be looking forward to hosting people on here as well in the future and maybe coming on again with someone else who knows or with you again. So let me know if you ever want to have another conversation. Perfect. Yeah. I guess just before we leave, what's like the best way to contact you? Is like LinkedIn the good place or yep. where you so active? I'm very active on. He'll probably run into me at an event at Platform or Rainforest as well. So you might meet me in person, but uh, I'm pretty good through LinkedIn. So if you ever want a message, just shoot me a message on there. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, hope you have a wonderful day and thanks for listening, everybody. Bye for now. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. NIM helps new software developers, UI UX designers, and product managers gain mentored hands-on industry experience. And at the same time, we provide companies with risk-free tech talent. Definitely a win-win-win situation. Visit newideamachine.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.